Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Who are we and what are we supposed to do? You know, the Bible identifies who we are. The Bible tells us that we are the household of God. The Bible tells us that we are the church, the assembled ones of the living God. And God has given to us the truth that is to be the pillar and buttress of our faith. Now we are asking ourselves a question, a question that helps us identify who we are and what we're supposed to do. And that question is this, what are the three key qualities that are evidenced in a healthy, productive, Christ-like church? Do you remember what they are? Last week, the answer was given before you could think about it. Not so this week. What are the three elements? Faith, hope, and there they are. Faith, hope, and love. Let's say them together, please. Faith, hope, love. There's a little chorus that we used to sing. Faith, hope, and charity. That's the way to live successfully. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. We're going to learn that together someday. I'm going to have Dave teach it to us. Faith, hope, love. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, these three, and the greatest of them is love. Now, we are studying faith. We are looking at what it means to live out a steadfastness of faith in our lives, understanding how that is evidenced from our lives. You're in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Look with me at the first verse. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The word faith or the word belief is used some, some 500 times in the New Testament. In fact, it's used twice as many times as the word love. And so it's very important that we understand what faith is all about. The first word of Hebrews chapter 11 is what? Now. Yeah, that was not a trick question. Now, which takes us back to the last of Hebrews 10. Look with me at verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now. You you see... We have great understanding about what God is doing in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of that. We can trust God's faithfulness to accomplish what he wants to accomplish for his honor and his glory. Amen? God is a God that not only can we recognize, but we can trust. And when we say God is good... And we say all the time, it's true because of the faith that we have in our God. 
Now, there are two identities that the writer of Hebrews gives to us. Now, faith is what? Assurance in my Bible. Now, faith is assurance. But not only is faith assurance, faith is also conviction. Circle, underline those two words in your Bible. Because without conviction, you can't have with assurance. And as you have assurance, you have conviction. Because of the faithfulness of God and his ability to work in our lives and keep his promises, we have assurance and we have conviction. Now, it's important that we break that down a little bit because the author does. Are you still there? Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. This is credit to the faithfulness of God. One commentator wrote this. In the NIV translation... Being sure of what we hope for puts the emphasis on faith as an expression of our confidence in God's promises. However, it is also possible to translate faith is the substance, King James, hupotasis, of things hoped for. Or faith gives substance to our hopes. Such Such a rendering suggests that what we hope for becomes real and is substantial by the exercise of faith. This does not mean that the gospel is true simply because we believe it. Rather, the reality of what we hope for is confirmed for us in our experience when we live by faith in God's promises. Do you believe the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he he rose again according to the scriptures. How do you know that? The the Bible tells us so, right? None of us, except for maybe Dave, were around at the resurrection of Christ. And so we have to take God at his word, right? And that is faith. That is assurance In the things that we hope for, absolute confidence that Christ died for our sins and that God is able to keep his promises and that we can trust an almighty God. If you can't trust God, you can't trust anybody. And the faith that you and I have is packaged in an assured confidence That not only is God who he says he is, but also that God will do what he says he will. Amen? That's faith. And if we're going to be healthy and authentic and growing believers, we have to start here. But not only is faith assurance, faith is also conviction of things not seen. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. It is the means of proving or testing invisible realities, such as the existence of God, his faithfulness to his word, his control over our world and its affairs. 
and God's work in our lives. Now, the writer gives to us some illustrations of that. Look with me at verses 2 and 3. For by it, the it is faith. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Now, all of Hebrews 11 gives to us a record of how Old Testament saints lived out their faith. There are 23 saints that are identified in Hebrews chapter 11. And they did some incredible, incredible kinds of things. Noah built a boat, an ark. Can you imagine? It had never rained before. And God told Noah to build an ark, and he did it. That's incredible, isn't it? And that is great confidence, and that's great con conviction that God's going to do what he's going to do. Abraham offered Isaac on an altar, believing that even if he died, God would raise him again. That is great conviction of things not seen. In verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. Were you there when the world was created? None of us were. And yet, we have the conviction that God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you use sticky notes? Are you use sticky notes? I have some sticky notes in the front of my Bible. If, if I meet you this morning and I don't know your name, as soon as I get your name and have opportunity, I will write it on a sticky note. God gave me a good forgetter. How about you? All right? Now, I use it as a reminder of something that I've just experienced. You know, God gives to us sticky, sticky notes. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. That's a pretty good sticky note, isn't it? All you got to do is look and see what God created. Each one of us here today is fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a sticky note to the wonder and glory of God. We're gathered here together as a body of Christ. And we are unique and unusual in some cases. And I'm not going to say which one of you is unique and which one of you is unusual. But the fact that we can all gather together as a body of Christ and praise and honor goes to God for that. Amen? That's a sticky note about what God has done. You see? Our conviction is based on an outward manifestation of the things that we do understand and see, even though we don't see it all. And God has provided that for us. But what do we do with that faith? 
I got to tell you, faith is not automatic. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally to us. And it won't grow in a vacuum. And we need to, to leave, to move from assurance and, and faith to action in our lives. We need to transition from conviction to conduct. Uh, James says, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. For faith without works is dead. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. So the reality is that all of us have to get involved in a faith walk if we're going to be what God wants us to be. And that's assurance and conviction. Living it out from our lives. You're going to love this next part. Think about Niagara Falls, will you? Isn't that beautiful? This is the best part of the illustration. Think about a man walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls. It gets worse. Think about a man pushing a wheelbarrow on that tightrope over Niagara Falls. I'm not very good with clip art. Now put yourself in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> now, you, 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 you might believe that a man could walk a tightrope, right? It's been done. You might even believe that he could push a wheelbarrow across that tightrope. How many of you are willing to get in that wheelbarrow? Kind of like, why would anybody jump out of a perfectly good airplane? <laughs> but folks, when it comes right down to us, faith without works is dead. If you're not willing to get in that wheelbarrow, you don't have a whole lot of faith. And faith is assurance and conviction. Now, how do we live it out? All right? I want to give you five truths this morning that will help you live out faith in your lives. Three of them are found in Hebrews chapter 10, and the other two are found in Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to be right here, all right? And this is going to help us this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me at verse 22. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The first step of faith is to draw near to God. We cannot walk by faith and keep God at an arm's length. We cannot walk by faith. Faith in the wonder of an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God at a distance. If we are going to have a faith walk, we have to get near to God. Because that's where faith happens. James tells us that we are to submit ourselves, draw near to God. 
resist the devil and he will flee from us. Draw near to God and God will draw near to us. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God. And what does it say? Draw near to God, verse 22 again, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This past week, Connie and I were in the car. I don't remember where we'd been. But she looks over at me and she says, you stink. She said it lovingly. I'd just taken a shower. And you know what? She was right because my coat that I was wearing had not been washed for a long, long time. When we got home, she had me take off my coat, zip all, up, zip all the zippers up, and she put it in the laundry. I don't stink no more. <laughs> if we're going to draw near to God, we can't stink. We have to have our hearts made clean. We have to draw near to God on God's terms. We cannot allow sin to be part of our relationship because God is a holy God. Now, I trust that you're not sitting there today and saying, man, I can't clean myself up enough to be acceptable to God. You're right, you can't. But God can. And our responsibility is to make sure that there is, a, there is no known sin in our lives that we haven't dealt with. We have to faithfully draw near to God. I was glad that Connie told me. Because I'd have wondered why she stood like this at me all the time. God tells us. God tells us. Look down to verse 25 with me, will you please? Hebrews 10, 25. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now we're going to take a couple of truths out of this. The first one is this. We need to assemble together as God's people. God's given to us the body for a reason. We need each other. The word neglect there is an interesting word. In some translations, it's forsake. King James, it's not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. You know, it's serious stuff that we ought to be meeting together as a church body. The word forsake, neglect, is the same word that Jesus used when he was on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken, neglected me? That's serious stuff. 
And as a body of believers, it's serious because God wants us to assemble together because we need each other. We, we need to build each other up. We need to strengthen each other. We'll talk about that in a minute. We, we need to get together because we're the body. We're the church of the living God. And the writer says, don't forsake it because it's too important. Make sure that you get together. You know, there are a lot of opportunities to get together. If you're not involved in a life group, let me encourage you to be involved in a life group. If you don't come Wednesday nights, let me encourage you to consider it. If you're not involved in Bible study, home fellowship, we need, we need each other, folks. It's part of our faith walk. It's part of what identifies us as the household of God. We, we need each other. And when we forsake it, it's just like God forsook his son when he took our sin and became sin for us. It's that serious. We need each other. And we need to share together. And God has given us the body for a reason. He really has. Now the last part of verse 25. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to invest in and encourage one another. The word encouragement has the idea of stimulation. Boy, it got cold last week. Man. Connie sent me out to the mailbox. It was cold. And, and I went out there without a coat. I didn't say I was the sharpest knife in the drawer. And I went out there without gloves. Duh. And you know what I did when I came back in? That's the picture here, where we stimulate and encourage one another and meet each other's needs because it's a cold, cruel world out there. And without each other, it'd be brutal. It'd be an Arctic vortex all the time. And all you got to do is watch news. I don't care which news you watch. not getting any warmer for the child of God. We need to invest in and encourage one another because it's tough out there. We only gather together to gather together. We're not doing much. Assurance, conviction, lived out. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 12, will you please? Familiar verses. Hebrews chapter 12, first two verses. Now the first word 
in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12 is what? Therefore or wherefore. And you'll remember, anytime there's a therefore, you've got to figure out what it's there for. Okay? It's there because we have just had 23 illustrations of faith. Because these saints did it. Because these saints lived out their faith in their lives. Because these saints walked with God by faith. The writer isn't asking us to do anything that hadn't already been done. You know, sometimes we feel that way, don't we? I can't do that. Yes, you can. What about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What about with God all things are possible? So the writer here is saying, these guys did it, you can too. This, This is an encouragement. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. A walk by faith throws off weights and sin. A walk of faith. Let us lay aside the weights. What's holding you back in your Christian life? Can you identify something? It may be a good something. It may be a legitimate something. But if it's holding you back in your Christian life, it's a weight. Is there sin in your life that clings so easily to you Unless you've washed your car recently, don't go and brush up against it. Because you'll come in. It's like sin. Unless we've kept close tabs with God, it's so easy to brush up against something. All of a sudden, it leaves its mark. We need to throw off A football game has been defined as 22 men who are in desperate need of rest, surrounded by a thousand screaming fans who are in desperate need of exercise. There is no room in the Christian life in 2019 for you not to be on the field. You can't sit this one out. And yet, how many of us desperately need exercise? Which is a walk of faith. Right? We are all expected to participate in the race. Some have already run. Those are the ones in the stands. They've finished their course. They've kept the faith. 
Paul said, henceforth for me is laid up a, a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those who, who love his appearance. You're looking forward to Jesus coming back. Huh? I mean, no more 50 below. I'm looking forward. But until he does, I've got work to do. And I'd better do it as effectively and efficiently as I can. And then I'd better keep my eyes on Jesus. Hmm? I'd better hold my focus on Jesus. That's verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. You get your eyes on anything else and you're in trouble. The first Sunday of January this year, I shared with you 10 goals that I have concerning this body. They are planted on the wall behind my desk. Every time I walk in my office and walk to my desk and round on my chair, I see these things. Why? Because I don't want to forget them. I want to keep my eyes on the prize. Keep looking at the target. Now, once I sit in my chair, I'm now facing my computer, and in front of me is a monitor. And on the back of that monitor, you see this. This is my next spiritual steps goals. Now, the one to your left says, don't look back. You're not going that way. I need to remind myself of that. But I have spiritual, mental, physical, and family goals. And I want to make sure I'm reminding myself of these things. How you doing? This all helps me look unto Jesus. This all helps me keep my eye on the prize. How you doing? Yesterday, our deacons met together for an hour and a half. We didn't get very far. Because we talked about the purpose of the church. And one of the things that we identified was the need for each of us to be growing in our spiritual lives because we can't expect other people to grow if we're not growing. And I have challenged all of our deacons, and they have responded with their next spiritual steps. We're keeping our eyes on the prize. How about you? And it all involves looking at Jesus. Say, how do I do that? If you were to come to our home and look on one of our coffee tables, you would find a picture frame that at first glance doesn't have anything in it. But if you look down at the bottom, it says this. Though you've not seen him, keeping your eyes on Jesus. And that's the walk of faith, folks. 